3: Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. Thanks so much for tuning in. Multiple ways you need to interact with us here on the program. 201 939 4513. You can also find us on Twitter. Hashtag Giants Chat. A reminder you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Metal. We'll be joined by Jeff Fegels momentarily as well as we'll recap. Week two in the National Football League, and we'll also start to look ahead to next Sunday's matchup with the Atlanta Falcons as the Giants will return home, still seeking their first win of the season. So a lot to unravel, a lot to get into. Paul, how's everything on your end today?
1: Good to talk to you again, Lance. Uh, You know, very interesting day in the NFL where we saw about 1,005 missed tackles. We saw quarterbacks being razor sharp. Uh, Again, I think you've got a lot of coaches are going to be shaking their heads and wondering why they didn't play their starters more during the course of the preseason.
3: Well, you also had a lot of quarterbacks that got hurt yesterday, too, by the way, Mm -hmm. speaking of quarterback play, and that's not something that I think a lot of teams are fond of seeing. You saw Andy Dalton go down, Derek Carr went down, he returned, Carson Wentz is now banged up again with multiple ankle injuries, reportedly. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy the amount of guys that went down. Baker Mayfield left, and then he returned, so... You know, the last thing you want to do is all of a sudden have to, on the fly, either bring your backup quarterback up or not feel good about your depth chart and have to now try to grab somebody as a street-free agent. So that, to me, was my, my biggest takeaways from all of yesterday's games, just so much injuries. As far as the division is concerned, the Cowboys beat the Chargers, the Niners beat the Eagles. So we have three teams now that are 1-1, one and one, and then we have the Giants at 0-2. So everybody's still pretty much bunched together after two games of the season. And you're going to have the Cowboys are going to play the Eagles coming up next. Washington's going to play Buffalo. And the Giants are going to play Atlanta, a team that went up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, rallied, made the game interesting. And then Tampa Bay took over down the stretch as Tom Brady threw for five touchdown passes. So this is now a pair of 0-2 teams, Paul, that are going to be colliding this coming Sunday.
1: Yeah, I got a chance to watch the uh, Falcons game and the Cowboys game yesterday. Watched them both. Uh, The Chargers did everything they could to give that game away to the Cowboys. And, of course, that's much to the Giants' chagrin because Dallas now has a game in the win column. Uh, As far as the Falcons are concerned, they were blown out and being handled rather easily until uh, the late comeback when Tampa Bay took their foot off the gas Look, oh, Matt by, Ryan
3: made some good throws too. I mean, he I think made he give some, him some credit.
1: He made some really nice throws. He also scrambled out of the pocket a little bit more than we're used to seeing. That is not a guy who we think of in terms of mobile quarterbacks in today's league. But he did escape a couple of times. Had a shovel throw. Had a throw on the run. Made some very good throws. But again, I thought Tampa took their foot off the gas and uh, late comeback by Atlanta, which was really wasn't uh, amounting to much. I, I do think, though, that that's part of what's going on right now. When you see these defenses out of sync, guys with busted coverages, guys with missed tackles, it's almost like you've come to expect it. And then you've got the robo-kickers who can kick field goals from like 150 yards away. Uh, it's just too easy to score points in this league. They've made it such a pass-happy game. Where coming from behind, even if you're two and three scores down, to make the game close in the final minutes, well, that's what the league wants. They want dramatic finishes. They want emotional finishes. Doesn't matter about the quality of football, but this this is what they have geared the rules to, uh, and it goes from top to bottom, from the game rules themselves to the conduct uh, that you have during training camp to the lack of preseason. It's this is what we get, Lance. This this is the watered down, you know, mediocrity, quicksand of mediocrity that we're stuck with.
3: Well, I do think, though, there are some teams that we're seeing executed at a high level. So I wouldn't group everybody together. It's just a matter of how well prepared your team is, how guys took care of their bodies from an individual standpoint. And sometimes it's the work that these individuals do outside of the team activities because, you know, there are some teams, for example, the Denver Broncos who beat the Giants in week one, they're 2-0. and And they look just as impressive against Jacksonville. And they've had guys that they've lost on the defensive side of the ball. Bradley Chubb came in and then he left. They have Ronald Darby on IR. I saw a defense that has been crisp. For the start of the season and I didn't see a lot of missed tackles I didn't see a lot of mishaps, so I do think there are a few teams that are on point I think there are other teams as you mentioned that are struggling because their guys didn't play together in the preseason or they had a number of injuries and now games one and two were sort of the extension of the preseason but I do think there are some teams that have handled their business quite well and have benefited from continuity. It's just the volume is maybe not as much as we had anticipated, and that's why every coaching staff has gone about their business a little bit differently. Some have utilized the preseason and they said, hey, we're going to play our starters in that third game because we don't want them to get rusty over two weeks. Other teams have been more conservative and say, hey, I don't want anybody to get hurt so we're going to rest them. And I think some are reaping the rewards for that, and others are paying the price for that. I think we have mixed results right now.
1: Well, I think there are a few teams in your category. There are more teams than the other. When you get scores of 36-35, 33-30, 48-25, 34-33, these are too many points, okay? Now, the fantasy football freaks out there, they love it. I get it, okay? I get it. Points, scoring, that's that's great, Okay? For the football purist, not cool. we got a 27-24 game, 31-21 game. Far too many points being scored in the league right now, and this is because of the watered-down play generally across the board. You can cite to me two, three, four, five teams if you want, Lance. That's fine. I'll let you do that. Maybe those teams are executing at a really nice level. But for the most part... We have a lot of mediocrity and a lot of very poor play. And a football purist can smell this skunk a mile away.
3: Well, but the bottom line is, Paul, I really don't think this is very different from what we've seen in the early stages of previous seasons. You know, normally it takes sometimes a few weeks for no everybody doubt. to start to hit their oh, stride. No Oh, this has been so, for years, yeah, Lance. It's not really unusual, no. I guess, is what I'm No, saying. this
1: has been for years now. This is something that, that's been going on for a long time. It is a It is a trend that's not good, and when you cut the preseason down to three games, you just enhance the trend. That's all you do. And when they cut the preseason down to two games, what do you think September football is going to look like then?
3: Horrible. Yeah. And we just hear now from Jeff Eagles, mm-hmm. who now We're joins a us here as well. Morning, How are we doing, so, Jeff?
2: I'm doing good. I was just listening to the conversation here. Let me chime in real quickly. Sure. I, absolutely. I, I feel like, you know, I think you can point to a lot of different things. And I think that there's, you know, there is some excuse making. I I, I mean, I look at the players. I look at the continuity that you had mentioned. I, I think a lot of this has to do with, Guys just need to play better. I mean, let's just let's just be honest with it. I mean, you got all these new players. um, You've had an extended more time with them than you ever did last season. Um, I look at this defense, and pretty much it's the same defense. If you with a couple you know, a couple starters here and there, but uh, these guys just got to play better, okay? And yeah, we all realize that we, that were the team is missing Dalvin. Um, that's a big loss, but those guys, the other guys, are here for a reason. They got to step in and, and step up and play better, so um, I think this team will get better. I just think that they've dug themselves a, a hole again. Um, the game last week in Washington, they should have won that game, okay? They should have won that game. They gave it away. They could be sitting here one and one and just, you know, with the rest of the division and, and be fine, but um, I just think when I look at this and look at what went on this weekend, watching teams play, I think that some teams were better prepared going into the season than others. But the Giants just have to they have to play better in different, in, different, in different facets of the game and, and move on and get ready for a uh, Falcons team who looked not bad yesterday. So
3: we'll see. Well, Atlanta certainly has weapons. There's no doubt about that. I think their biggest concern right now is the defensive side of the ball, which has been an issue over the yeah. last few seasons. But let's face it. Based on what you just said, Jeff, until the Giants prove that they can play consistent four quarters, they're in no position to take any opponent for granted, regardless of the struggles that yeah. anybody wants to talk about that Atlanta is going to bring to the table. And you know, Atlanta is going to be even more hungry because they, like the Giants, are still seeking their first win of the season. They but are and, on,
2: and they're coming yeah. on. They're co- they're going on the road. Okay, and, and I I, I kind of buy into this philosophy. Maybe nobody else does. I was telling I was watching football with my boys here yesterday and watching that game. I feel like sometimes teams they give it so much. Like they want everybody wants to beat the world champions, right? I mean, so they come in there and they they just play like crazy. They they might have left everything on the table. I'm hoping <laughs> that they're going to come in here with no, you know, maybe nothing no left. No gas in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but you know, something that we have not talked about. You and I did, Lance, on the post game show the other night. Um, that we haven't really brought up in a while, and that's that that's that complimentary football term that I feel like is missing a little bit. And so they got to correct that. I mean, they these teams got to, you know, all three phases and facets of the game have to come together and, and, and complement each other once in a while. And it has to happen sooner than later.
3: Well, and you also can't afford to have all of the mental mistakes, which absolutely plagued the Giants. And Paul, earlier we were talking about the Chargers-Cowboys game. Watching the Chargers' performance, it reminded me actually a lot about the Giants' performance on Thursday because the Chargers, it seemed every time They would gain some momentum on a drive. They would take two or three steps (laughs) back, right? Because the Giants had 11 penalties on Thursday. You know how many Mm -hmm. penalties the Chargers had? They had 12 penalties for 99 yards. Mm -hmm. You had one which was a taunting penalty against Keenan Allen because after he was hit, he then went into the face of a defender, which was completely unnecessary. Yeah, because you know the officials are looking for that stuff. Basically, you're asking for it. So the Chargers, they, like the Giants, Mm -hmm. what I would suggest – the Chargers do, is you got to look at yourself in the mirror and you have to say to yourself, how many times do we shoot ourselves in the foot to give <laughs> the opposition momentum back in this game? Gave because the game that, away. to me, would be the answer. Herbert threw an
1: interception in the end zone that was absolutely pointless. You know, you talk about that Allen penalty. Uh, it, it, was, it was horrific. They, you know, they, they had Dallas by the
3: throat, and they gave it away. And Herbert, the last interception, it looked as if Keenan Allen slipped. And then, obviously, that gave Casey an opportunity to step in and make the interception. But that's not the reason why they lost the game. I mean, they lost the game because of the piling up of all of those other issues that Mm -hmm. happened throughout the course of the contest. Very similar to the Giants, Jeff, because, you know, we even had this conversation on the postgame. And, you know, Joe Judge was asked about this after the game. It's easy to pin the loss on Dexter Lawrence. It's very easy to say Dexter went off sides. But unless you did not view the rest of the game, there are so many other things that the Giants could have done in the second quarter, the third quarter, and earlier in the fourth, that may have not put them in a position where they have to worry about being offsides on a field goal attempt.
2: Yeah, and there's every game you can look at these kinds of things. I, I tell you, I, I tell this story, and you guys might have heard it before, but you know, I would be, a lot of times when I was playing, I would come after a game and I would be like, man, you know, if I had just had that one play and it didn't go in the end zone, I would have had a 43-yard net. My wife would look, always look at me and go, <laughs> and what? And what happened? it went into the end zone it doesn't matter you can play that game all you want sure. right and so and by the way the Ro- the washington team can play that game too yeah. they can say to themselves listen you know what we we should have beat this team we didn't we, we shouldn't have never let them get to to a to uh to where they were um and then dustin misses the field goal and they get another chance i mean every team on sunday can do that the bottom line is they got to play better i think schematically the defense has got to correct some things i mean you've got t crowder who's playing in there um, you know, like like he didn't start all the games last year. I mean, there's some there's just some things that have to be corrected because I've said it before. And Paul, I think you might agree with me here. I think that there's so much talent and leadership on that side of the football that I just can't see this thing as being, you know, a, a train an out of, out of control train going down the track. I feel like it's going to get corrected. I have a lot of faith in Patrick Graham, and I know the fans probably don't want to hear this, but I I, I don't they're just kind of tired of it. But I feel like there's still. There's still time, and I, I think there's still there's still some – some those guys in the building, they want to win so bad, I just hope they don't press too hard. And that happens sometimes, where guys just press way too hard rather than just playing football.
1: Well, not only do I agree with you, Jeff, but I'm going back to the fact that I truly believe these guys did not play enough together during the preseason. I'm sure. sorry, but sure. I do believe okay. that's a part of it. It could be, yeah. And Patrick Graham himself warned us of that going yeah, into did. the Denver game. Yeah. He said, you know, this the continuity factor, the gelling factor, especially when these guys can't tackle, I'm worried about what could happen against the running game. I mean, if the defensive coordinator and the head coach are already telling you that, then obviously it's on their minds. Mm-hmm. I think, again, I said it last week. I said it on the post-game show. I'm going to say it again today. You've got a bunch of these coaches and coordinators around the league who, who next summer are going to probably try to play their training camps a little bit differently. And I think their starters and their units will see a few more snaps than they saw in 2020 or 2021 Mm -hmm. because they got to learn. They got to learn that their guys need to be playing together.
3: Now, part of that also was injuries, though, to certain players, too. Well, the Giants as to why had they some. Get on the field.
1: Yeah, the Giants yeah. had some, especially yeah. in the offensive side of the ball. Galladay, Tony, offensive line issues, guys were injured. You're absolutely right, Lance. In some cases, you can't help it because you've got guys dinged up and they got to ramp up during training camp. But let me tell you something very, very succinctly, okay? I don't care how many people want to ignore it, but you got to peel back the layers of the onion, especially in the running game. Saquon Barkley, and I was talking to to a veteran 40-year NFL guy just this morning, and I said to him, do you have any idea how many snaps Saquon Barkley has taken behind these offensive linemen the Giants now have? And I, I went over it with him. Remember, last year he got hurt early in the season against Chicago, so he has taken very few snaps with Andrew Thomas blocking for him. He's taken no snaps, basically, up until now that Bredesen was blocking for him. He had taken barely any snaps with Gates blocking for him, but now that's irrelevant because he's out for the season. He had certainly never taken any snaps with Price blocking for him. He had Hernandez blocking at left guard when he last played with Will Hernandez. And when he last played with Nate Solder, Nate Solder was his left tackle. Now... If you guys don't want to believe what I'm about to say, I can get Joe Morrison here and he will tell you how important it is, not just for the offensive line to have their own chemistry, but how important it is for a running back to know his offensive linemen and to have a sense of chemistry with them too. Because they need to know instinctively so that they don't hesitate where those blocks are going to go. They need to know, is the guy going to do his assignment or does he have trouble with this assignment? Do they know that they can count on him? These are all factors that a running back has with his offensive line. There is a unity and a chemistry that most people have no idea about between a running back and each one of his offensive linemen. So not only is Saquon Barkley trying to scrape off the rust coming off of major knee surgery, he also has... Five butts in front of him that he has absolutely no idea what those are gonna what those guys are gonna do on any given play. Is it any wonder that the run blocking has been very poor the first two games of the season? And I'm gonna tell you something else. I don't know how many games it's gonna take to get that right. And I also don't know how many games it's gonna take for Barkley's rust to be scraped off physically because of the injury. Either way,
3: right now the Giants running game is paying the price. Well, and then on top of that, also, how many snaps has Billy Price had next to Ben Bredesen, who just arrived? I mean, these Without guys. Without doubt. Yeah, so it's not just Barkley and the O line; it's also the offensive linemen amongst themselves. Yeah, but that's the, the that's chemistry. the part
1: that everybody knows. That's easy. Everybody on the street knows that the offense. Yeah, but line sometimes it gets overlooked when
3: you're having these conversations. Is but
1: what point. most people have no idea about is the science between the running back and each of his offensive linemen. Most people don't even know that exists, and it's a big part of it.
3: Now, that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the defensive struggles, but that's just an example of needing some additional time, especially when you have some new arrivals. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, Jeff, which you were hitting on, because you were talking about the leadership and the continuity, that hasn't been removed. Whether or not guys were on the field in the preseason, the bulk of the roster that was in Patrick Graham's system has returned, so... And this was something that Patrick Graham even talked about in the offseason, and a lot of the players were asked about how far along they are in terms of at least understanding the scheme at this point compared to where they were last year. And you could say that about a lot of units who had new defensive coordinators and new offensive coordinators, unconventional offseason, not having any time on the field. Now this year, you went through an entire year last year. Now you're in person. There's a lot more comfort. So I guess the surprising element is why isn't that comfort then translating to the field?
2: Well, I, I think a lot of it has to do with experimenting with that back end of the defense and what coverage they're playing. Okay. I know that we always figured that, you know, that Patrick Graham wanted to play a lot of man coverage because that's why they went out and got a Dory Jackson to have confidence in some of these guys that can be able to hold up in man coverage. But you know, guys, we talk about this all the time. If your if your front seven is not getting any kind of pressure on quarterback, it takes a tremendous amount of pressure on the back end of your defense. Yeah. And so I I, f- I still feel like they're still trying to figure out what type of a you know what kind of a defense that they want to play. I mean uh, last year they were primarily in cover two and cover three, okay. And so I, I don't know if that's still what they're going to want. That's their identity this year. I I don't know, but I still think. And and back to to Paul's point, you know, was there enough time to get this group together in preseason? to be able to play a lot more, and evidently, no. So I think that has a lot to do with it, Lance. I really
3: do. One sack against Taylor Heineke, they were credited with two quarterback hits. I mean, if those are the numbers that you're showing up consistently, and the numbers were better against Denver, the problem is they couldn't finish against Teddy Bridgewater. Right. Now, there weren't many opportunities to finish against Heinecke because there weren't a lot of pressure situations. And when you have a mobile quarterback, it makes it even more challenging. Now, Matt Ryan, you know, we were talking earlier, ran a little bit yesterday to help extend plays, but not necessarily the most mobile quarterback. This is a guy that, for the most part, is going to stay in the pocket, more of a reason why you want to make him feel uncomfortable. If you don't, He's got plenty of weapons. You got Calvin Ridley. You got Kyle Pitts. Russell Gage is an underrated young wide receiver. And they're now using Cordaro Patterson as oh, a man. running he back was, yeah. slash wide receiver.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he was good. I, I, he's always been good. I tell you what. And what a tough dude, man. And i us tell you what. He's a big guy, too. And so versatile. I mean, we always, I always remember him as being just a great special teams player. But, uh, you know, when he was with the Bears, they, they utilized him at that running back position. And Atlanta's doing the same thing. Um, Just a strong runner, and the Giants going to have to wrap him up, and make sure that he goes down because he's a big play potential guy. Especially if you get
3: him out in open space because sure. he actually had a touchdown called back because he just stepped out of play. Yeah, was if close. he kept both feet in, he would have taken it to the house under those circumstances. Definitely. Definitely. Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegels, Paul DeTito with you here on Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. A few reminders before we open up the phone lines here. Don't miss out on the return of Giants football, 2021 season now underway. There is still time to secure your season tickets and root on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. You can speak with a Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. Also, you can take in all the action of New York Giants football from your very own private suite. Giant suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. You can speak with a Giant suite representative now by also calling 888-NYG-1925. And coming up this Sunday, September 26th, you can watch the Giants retire Eli Manning's jersey in style. We are offering an exclusive suite package, which includes Eli bobbleheads, jerseys, T-shirts, and more. Speak with a Giant suite representative now. You call 888-NYG-1925. For that one, though, you have to select option number four. And last but not least, the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself. Get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. All right, let's open up the phone lines here at 201-939-4513. Marco is in Connecticut, and he gets us going. What's happening, Marco? Hey, what's, hap- what's happening, fellas? How are you? Hi, Marco. We're doing all right. What's on your mind? Hey.
4: Uh, well, I'm 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 looking forward to this Sunday. I'll be at the game. Uh, probably the only game I'll go to this year. Uh, looking forward to seeing you. Like uh, get the jersey retired and hopefully catch you guys. Uh, maybe if you're doing a pregame show beforehand, I'll um, be there. Uh, I um I was listening to what some of the, what you guys were saying about the defense, and and I wanted to make some of those points. So some some of the stuff you guys addressed. I think um, my thought is it, it's the frustration around the whole, um, you know, time that they were actually able to play together between preseason. My, my frustration there is that there is continuity with the defense. And I know they didn't get to play together, but, I mean, if we were going to hedge our bets on which facet of the team was going to come back, uh, you know, and be a strength for us from the get-go – it was the defense for me, at least. I mean, well, we're thinking about Patrick Graham and how complex of a coach and a teacher that he is, and that's everything that I've heard about. And then you you put him with another year of Logan Ryan and Blake Martinez, uh, two veterans, right? And then you have Jabril and Xavier McKinney's back again. So there's continuity, and now, like, well, all you're doing is adding um, Adoree Jackson, who I know didn't practice, but. I mean, everything I was hearing about is how familiar he was with Logan Ryan, and like for me, it was like, okay, let's—we don't need to worry about the defense. We're we're all right. Like, especially after the last preseason game, everyone was looking at Daniel and Andrew Thomas in the offensive line. Um, there's frustration there, guys, because the the NFL doesn't care about how long it takes you to get ramped up. You know, it, sure. the schedule keeps moving. Mm-hmm. Our record is what it is. It's not going to get easier. Um, so it, it was up to us to come out and, and have a strength there that I thought we could benefit from. Now, here's what I'm wondering, and I don't know if you guys mentioned this. What do you, what do you guys think about the loss of Dalvin? And well, we've and been talking about that, that all off season, us?
3: Marco. I don't mean to cut you off, but I've right. been talking about that all off season, and how you shouldn't overlook that loss because of all the dirty work he <laughs> did that didn't show up in the box score. So I'm going to stand yeah. by that, and I think that they're still trying to fill that void.
1: I disagree. I don't, I don't think uh, the Giants have really missed him all that much in the first two games. Austin Johnson played extremely well in the first game against Denver, and I, and I don't think that was the problem against Washington. The Giants' pass rush, which got a lot of heat and basically beat the Denver offensive line at will and then could not get home on Bridgewater because he was escaping, uh, they just did not beat. A porous Washington offensive line the other day, and that does not have anything to do with Dalvin Tomlinson, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, but Dalvin, in terms of what he does in the middle of the unit, opens up opportunities for the guys on the outside. I would argue. So when you you could argue all equation, you want, Lance, I, did, I didn't see it. Well, I mean, they clearly weren't getting home though consistently no, against Washington. No, they, they didn't
1: beat guys one on one. They did. Okay. A, they did a very poor job in their man-to-man matchups. Sometimes guys just don't get it done. They didn't get it done. I'm not going to let you use Dalvin Tomlinson as an excuse.
3: I'm not using Dalvin Tomlinson as an excuse. I'm saying that he was a valuable player, and I'm not dismissing He's the value of Dalvin player. Tomlinson. He's a very and good I'm, player. And, and, and if, you're, if you're an offense going up against the Giants, the way you view Dalvin Tomlinson compared to Austin Johnson could be very different. Can it not? Sure, and Danny Danny Shelton. Sure, and Danny Shelton. So unless we have a conversation with the offensive coordinator, the things you're doing schematically could have changed because of the different personnel that the Giants have on the interior.
1: That's not what I saw. What I saw is a Washington team that was able to hold up on the edges and a Washington team that was able to get a bunch of guys running free in the Giants secondary. I'm I'm not laying this on Tomlinson not being there. I'm sorry. That's an excuse that I won't buy. They didn't, well, I, they didn't play well, and James Bradbury had a very difficult time with McLaurin, which should never happen to a Pro Bowl cornerback.
3: Well, but this is also another reason, Marco, why you don't take for granted how a defense finishes one season and then right. they're just going to carry it over to the next season. And that was something also we brought up this offseason. People were just saying, oh, top ten unit's going to return, no problem, you add one piece, everything's going to be fine. The NFL doesn't care about how you finished statistically the previous season. They don't. They're going to look to solve you. And there's also, by the way, the other thing is, there's more film on the Giants' defense compared to where offenses were coming in last season. So they know a little bit more about the personnel, and they know a little bit more about Patrick Graham's scheme. That's something also that can't be. That's possible. true. That is absolutely true, Lance. I would not
2: dispute that at all. It's also true that those guys agree. have to play all better. Yeah, 100%. They have to. They're just not.
4: Yeah. Uh, Go ahead, Marco. I, don't, I don't really have any more much. I know I don't have much to say about it. Uh, besides that, but thank you guys for taking the call and You're uh, we gotta get a win we gotta get a win this Sunday. Thank you. All right Marco Come
3: thank in. you for the phone call. Appreciate it. Let's head back to the phone lines. How about Russell on Staten Island? What's happening, Russell? Hey, how
5: you guys doing?
3: Good. Uh, doing uh, right. I
5: just had a few comments about um that game on Thursday and um some about this week. Um I don't wanna be negative. It seems like everybody's calling in, being all negative. I mean we're a little impatient. You know, where New York is, we want results quick. Um, I just feel like the fans need to get behind them a little more. Um, I think we need to take this week with Eli Jersey being retired and the 10-year anniversary of Super Bowl 46, and just kind of use that as some motivation maybe. You know, I, I feel like we need an emotional spark. Like, where are the captains at? You know, like, I didn't really see anybody, you know, ramping the guys up or wrapping them up on the sidelines when we were playing for You know, the game was on the line. I just didn't see intensity. It seemed like, you know, they were they were going out a little bit.
2: Mark, are you getting I pulled think, over?
5: <laughs> oh, no, no. On, sorry. This is uh, Russell. Yes, Russell. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no way. <laughs> if
2: that's the case, that'd be the first time that somebody got pulled over while on BBK.
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm standing out I'm standing outside. I'm standing okay. outside. I'm I am worried about that. you there for a second. All
4: right. <laughs>
5: um, I just wanted to know what you guys thought about that. It just didn't seem like anybody was like an emotional leader. Like, you know, like a, a to bring up the Super Bowl 40 16, like, you know, like a Justin Tuck uh, intro role. I didn't, I didn't see the defense captains picking it up like that. Am I wrong about that?
2: I don't know. It's you know we're not at the game, so it's kind of hard for us to. And I'm sure that the people that are at the games where they were sitting wasn't a great view. So I mean, I don't I I don't know. I can't. I, what you see on the field is what you see. I mean, I don't know what's going on in the sidelines and you know in the locker room and things like that. But you know that's what leaders are for. That's what guys are. You know they, they wear the C's on the on their on their chest for a reason. And I think that you no, know, certainly think that they're they're fine. I I just think that. You know, these guys it's um it's a grind and they get into these games and they're trying to figure out how to how to play and win and a lot of times the fans just don't see what's going on behind the scenes. So I, I can't comment too much on it. I don't know about you guys. How about you guys? Anything?
3: Well, I mean the only thing that I would add is and this is just my own personal belief I think these are grown men. I think a lot of these guys are veterans who have been in the NFL. If you're going to tell me that they need a guy to give you a pep talk on the sideline to play better, Jeff, then I don't know if they should be in the National Football League, you know? I mean, if we're going to go to the point where you need an emotional person to help the morale of the defense and they can't go out there and execute without that, then once again, we're having the wrong conversation to begin with.
2: Yeah.
1: I so. will just add one thing. I can tell you this coaching staff is very vocal on the sidelines. I've been down there on the bench during games, certainly during this past preseason. Joe Judge is not one of those guys who you know calls plays. So he's involved with every aspect of the team. So when he sees something, he goes right back there to the bench, and he leaves the sideline and goes to the bench, and he'll let those guys know about it. And trust me, he has some pretty hot words when he needs to have them. And uh, Coach Spencer, don't question about you know his his emotion on the sidelines. Coach Graham can get pretty darn vocal as well. No, I've I've seen this staff raise their voice on that sideline. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that they're they're uh, they're quiet or or they're like a church mouse. That's not the case.
3: And appreciate the phone call, Russell. Thanks so much for weighing in here. I think the other thing that should be mentioned is the fact that and Jeff you've seen this from being in locker rooms some guys lead in different ways some guys are very vocal right ra rah in your face yeah. and other guys you know pick their moments of you when like they that. want to have conversations with individuals and it may not be yelling and screaming at a teammate it may just be more of a civil conversation so that's another reason why if you don't see the outbursts on the sideline that doesn't mean that guys sure. don't care and that doesn't mean that they're not discussing ways to improve it's just some guys don't wear their emotions on their sleeve. Yeah, I mean, I'll I mention two guys,
2: polar opposites of each other, right? Okay, I, Eli Manning is not a guy that's going to get in your face and yell and scream and you know and throw things and tantrum. He just he leads by example, and um, and what he does is he prepares and. You know, there are certain things that he does say in the huddle, and I'm sure that, you know, guys like Deal and O'Hara can all comment to that. But, you know, you don't have time in the huddle to have a conversation about what's going on. You just got to get it right. And I think that, you know, I would always trust Eli knows where guys are supposed to be. And when he does say something, he's like EF Hutton. You know, when he speaks, everybody listens. So you don't need to get your butt over there. But he doesn't talk a lot about it, you know. And then I look at a guy like Antre Roll. I mean, you talk about the most vocal <laughs> leader. <laughs> I mean, that's a guy that's going to get in your face, that's going to scream at you, that's going to yell for a good reason. But, they're, you know, like I said, those guys are on the opposite ends of the spectrum. And um, you're right, Lance, that certain people lead in different ways. And, and you got to remember, too, that there's a lot of different personalities and things that 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 you have to look at and coaches they're they're kind of psychologists they they understand which guys they can yell at and scream at and which guys will go up and you know go in a corner and hide and you'll never get anything out of them you're going to (laughs) scare them to death so there's just a lot of things you have to realize um and you're right paul it doesn't always work where guys are screaming and yelling on the sidelines because by the way some of those guys that yell and scream they may not know what they're talking about so some guys just look at them like dude what are you doing like, why, why do you scream? Are you First of all, don't scream at us. And second of all, you don't know what you're talking about. And that's when things start to happen. You know, that's when things, guys start to get in fights and stuff. So, well, you don't I want think, to see any I think that.
1: the important thing to note is that this coaching staff is very involved with the players. Remember, sure. Joe Judge wanted teachers yeah. on his staff. And so, when I see those guys on the sideline, when I have been down there, I see guys who are very involved, and very much into the details of what it is that they're mm-hmm. trying to get done. I've also seen in the past, and I'm not naming names, I've seen coaching staffs in the past who seemed rather disconnected and were not necessarily trying to teach things as the game was going on.
3: Let's head back to the lines. Alex is in Tampa joining us now. What's happening, Alex? Alex going one? Hello. Nope. Yes, Hurry Alex, up. you there? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we are. you. Yeah. You're on. You're up. Breaking up a little bit. All right, well, we're hearing you loud and clear. So if you want to make your point quickly before okay. maybe there's some other technical issues, now would be the time.
6: <laughs> okay, yeah. Hey, thanks a lot, guys, for uh, picking up the call. And uh, like I said, I listen to you guys sometimes. Um, so I'm a Giants fan. I, I live here in Florida, you know, uh, for about 20 years now. I can't wait for that Monday night against the Bucks. Um, but uh, I got a couple of points I didn't get to do. Um, like the one game on Thursday. Um, I wanted to comment a little bit on um how the uh you guys watched the game last night on that uh, Ravens in Kansas City? Yeah. Uh on the on the last on uh, fourth and one for them to win that game, how aggressive the coach was. I mean he gambled it, but you know, he really believed in his team. I really believe that um that if it would have been um a little bit more like you know what I'm saying, like really really played to win the game on that Thursday night. Uh, instead of just playing, you know, conservative and, and and just running the ball instead of being more creative, you know what I'm saying, to win the game and go for it. Um, I think that's one of the even though uh I don't really blame Dexter Lawrence for that one uh when he jumped out where the guy missed the field goal. I really believe that if we would have been more aggressive, we would have won that game on that last drive. And also I wanna comment on, on what I think it was Paul DeTina was saying about Saquon that he hasn't had like a lot of chemistry with the offensive line or something like that. Uh, uh, I don't agree with what he's saying because really, uh, what Saquon needs—I mean, the only thing that Saquon needs to be more in, in, in—you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, in uh, 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 the relationship that he needs to have with that offensive line is that all, all they need to do is, is open a hole for him. Like, he don't—he don't need to get to know them, or you know, like what he was saying that he doesn't know them that they haven't been. All, all the offensive line needs to do is open a hole so he can run. You know yeah, but I see, really agree that's what he
1: needs bad. to know. That's what he needs to know. Look, I, I wish I could get Joe on the phone right now and have him talk to you because he. there was a particular play that the Giants had. I'm going to give this to you as an example. And, and you know, okay. Joe loved Carl Nelson, who was his starting right tackle on that Super Bowl 21 team. He loved Carl. They were best buddies. But Joe okay. knew that there was a certain play that the Giants loved to run that Carl usually could not block properly. It was a play that was designed to block straight ahead, okay? And what Nelson was supposed to do was either take the guy on and push him back straight behind, you know, backpedal straight ahead, or kick him to the outside so that Joe could take his inside shoulder. That's the way the play was designed to run. Joe said to me, Paul, every time that play was called, I never ran it the way it was supposed to be run. You know why? Because I knew that Carl couldn't block it properly. Carl would never block that particular run the way it was supposed to be diagrammed. So what I would always do is cut it to the outside because he could never push the guy to the outside. He'd always wind up getting beat to the inside, and he would turn the guy inside. So if I ran it the way the play was designed, I would have no gain. So I would always take that ball and run it to the outside because I knew Carl couldn't block it right. That's, that's what, what I'm talking has... about.
6: Okay, but this this is the same thing. Saquon has to do every time. No, no,
1: you know there. why? You know this is their why. Is not there. You have less than a millisecond by the time you get that handoff to make your decision where you're going to go. And if I instinctively know, know. you don't know if the play is going to be blocked correctly, then you can't run it the way it's been diagrammed because you don't have faith and trust where the block is going to go and if the guy isn't going to do his correct block and that allows the defender to do what he's going to do then you are in deep, deep trouble now in Joe's case he knew that Carl would never make that block so he took it into his own hands and Joe always told me, he goes and Parcells (laughs) never gave me grief for not following the schematic on the play because he knew that I knew what I was doing and I could make that play work
6: well, that's the same thing <laughs> that's the same thing though, that Saquon has to do every time. He has to do his own little hole no, to try but to see, get something. But, there, but there right now, no,
1: no, here's what you're missing. He has no frame of reference. He doesn't know where those five guys are going to make their block or not make their block because he doesn't have any chemistry with them. He doesn't know them. So he does not know, is Billy Price going to make that block or not? Is is Andrew Thomas gonna make the block the way it's diagrammed, or am I gonna have to improvise? He doesn't know that because he doesn't hmm. know the players. That's exactly the point. I don't
6: know, Paul. This guy's been playing football for a long time. He's not like And they how they many snaps is Barkley taken? Yesterday.
1: How many snaps has Barkley taken behind each one of those guys?
6: I know he hasn't taken as much because of the injury. They, I know. All that. right. So now but, what you have okay, is unfamiliarity
1: Barking. with the blocking scheme and and well, well the function of the blocking scheme and you also <laughs> have him coming back from a serious knee injury. So he's probably got tentativeness because of the surgery and now he also has tentativeness because he doesn't know if he can trust his blockers. That that's okay. a bad combination.
6: Okay, one more thing really quick, and about the defense, like the guy from Connecticut was saying. Let me tell you something. That schedule, like the way looking at the West Coast, the AFC West Coast, the Chargers, Kansas City, the way I'm looking at those offense, and, 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 and if that defense doesn't tie it up, man, there's going to be a long season for the Giants, man. I'm telling you.
3: Well, the challenges are not just against Denver, the AFC we're West, we're though, Denver, Alex. It goes way Denver, beyond that. that. Huh? What it goes that? way beyond the AFC West. They have a lot more teams outside of the AFC West that they're playing. Yeah, I
6: know, I know. I know, yeah. I know. I mean, our own division, I mean, Dallas looks like they can ball right now. Dallas going to give the Giants a, a, a run for their money. You know, Philadelphia, I don't know because Jalen Hurd didn't look good with the 49ers. But looking at, looking at the whole schedule, man, if they don't really fix that defense, it's going to be embarrassing for us. We're going to – this team is going to look worse than last year if they don't get this defense together. I, I I was with the other color, you know, and I really appreciate you guys All uh, right, Alex. for taking my call. And let's go Giants, man. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, hope it's not another frustrating season like every Sunday and it's like, wow, you know, what can we do now? What can we do now? You know, but the only thing I say is that, this, that defense doesn't get it together, you know what I'm saying, with the rest of the uh, schedule with those teams. It's going to be a lot of trouble, man. All right, guys. All right Alex, thank appreciate you Appreciate much, man. God bless. Yep. And all I right, think they
3: okay. sort of come to the realization that they need to shore up their <laughs> defense or else, yes, it's going to put a lot more pressure. We could all agree on, on the that, offense. Lance. I'll tell yeah, you that. I don't think anybody's going to dispute that. And once again, the caliber of the quarterbacks they're going to start playing are also going to increase, too. You got Matt Ryan. You got Dak Prescott. You got Matt Stafford. Okay? It's not Taylor Heineke every single week, too. So that's something else that I think and, is important. And by the, the other way, thing I,
2: every o and 2 team, has a caller like that just now. Trust yeah,
3: me. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we all
2: know that they got to play better. Or it's going to be a long season. I mean, it, listen, the only game you can look at is the one that's in front of you. Okay? And just you got to go out and pre- prepare to play an Atlanta Falcons game. And I know that that's redundancy. I think, I think that's just kind of like the way that every – I mean – that's what coaches. That's coach talk. That is. That's what it is. We can't look at Tampa and the divisions. It's the game, the next game that's on the schedule. You got, you got to win that one before you can win the next one, right? So you've got to concentrate on this game coming up and correct what you did last week. And by the way, you have ten days to prepare for the Atlanta Falcons team. Um, that's a lot, and I think that you know that's important. But they got, to, they got to win this game at home. I mean. Listen, what they when they came in against the Broncos and didn't play a very good game. I mean, you, the Broncos are two and zero, but. I mean, did you look at – I mean, I was sitting there yesterday, guys, going, where where was this two weeks ago with, with with Bridgewater? I didn't think he played that well. I mean, he was just all over the place. I'm thinking to myself, this is so typical. You know, the the Giants get a quarterback that comes and plays like they do, and then two weeks later he's just – I mean, he's, he's horrible. I'll tell so. you
1: what, Jeff. Remember one thing going into this game now on Sunday, right? The Falcons yesterday did not have a pass play longer than 25 yards all game, mm-hmm. okay? Which means basically – they're going to try to beat you with death of 1,000 cuts. Yeah. With and the, yardage with, after the catch. Right. With, with, yeah. The, yeah. With, 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 the, with the little stuff. The little stuff and the medium-range stuff. If sure. the Giants don't clean that up by Sunday, it's going to be a problem.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Washington only had three plays of 20 or more yards. So yeah. Washington was doing some similar stuff too. Sure. They weren't going for the big-time explosive plays. They were going for that philosophy of 1,000 cuts, Paul. Yes. So that's more of a reason why that intermediary area in yep. the middle of the defense absolutely needs to shore things up and clean things up, or else they're going to constantly move the chains and have manageable third downs.
2: You just answered one of the over-under factor fiction questions that I was wondering if which we hit on it. But the big, do you remember the question was 20, uh, was it four or more 20-yard 20, 20 plays, I think was one of our questions. They only had three. Is that what you're saying, Lance? Washington only had three,
3: correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. it's, well, sad, I think the question it's sad
1: was, that you would even remember <laughs> any of those questions, Jeff. That's a
3: problem. Uh, <laughs>
1: I, I remember I, I, that was well, just that a week.
3: Was ago. Thursday. It wasn't like it was 17 <laughs> exactly. Days Thank ago. you, let Lance. Me, come on, give Jeff a little credit. <laughs> Thank okay, you, Lance. Gonna, I mean, if it was gracious. two weeks,
2: I would have. Yeah. Okay, I will agree with you, but let I me. Mean, God, it was only Thursday.
3: Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know. what he's You're not
2: going to. Com- you're not going to comment yeah. on that one, John. <laughs> I, I don't know. No, what John. Paul was John John's not in the room right
1: now. No. Come on. If you think I hold on to any of those questions or answers five seconds after we're done, you're out of your mind. <laughs> By well, the way, you are the defending was, champion. I mean,
3: you might want to talk a little bit of trash. Jeez. And the, the question was that the Giants will have more 20-plus yard plays oh, than Washington. Giants, so it was a okay. fact. So, see, I didn't question.
2: really – did, yes. the
3: bottom line is I didn't remember the coach Good question, for Paul. you, Jeff. <laughs> well, no, you were right about the subject and the topic, yeah, but I it was wasn't there. an
2: over-under. It was a I was around question. the beehive. That's fine. You know? Yes. It, oh, in, the, in the right ballpark. Buzz,
3: buzz, buzz. Yes. Oh, good. We get sound <laughs> effects, too. How lovely. <laughs> One other thing that I wanted to piggyback off of the last caller's points before we reopen up the phone lines. He brought up – I don't know if you guys saw the Ravens-Chiefs game last night. And he was referencing the last possession. I just want to provide context in case members of our audience did not watch that game and they probably may not know what he was talking about. So Baltimore got the ball back after a fumble by Clyde Edwards-Elaire. So they took over with a minute 20 to go in the fourth. And they wound up running out the clock because they went for it on a fourth and one. Now, it's very different than what the Giants were faced with. And also, Lamar Jackson on first down ran for a yard. On second down, he ran for two. Saquon did the same exact thing Mm -hmm. on the first two downs for the Giants on that possession where they had to settle for a field goal I'm referring to. So then on third and seven, the Ravens got a six-yard pass to Sammy Watkins, and then on fourth and one with a minute left, they decided to go for it, holding on to a one-point lead. The Giants never got to a fourth down because Sterling Shepard and Daniel Jones didn't connect. Okay, Yeah. Yeah, so my point is I get the point about Baltimore was aggressive. You like to see that? But the dynamics of how the drive played out for the Ravens is very different than how it played out for the Giants. If the Giants guys got to a fourth and one, meaning let's say Shepard catches it, but remember he was short of the sticks and the Giants are at fourth and one and you want to talk about should you just kick the field goal here or go for it and try to run more clock? That's a different conversation than being stopped on third and seven and now your only legitimate choice is therefore to take the three points. You know, Lance, Hmm. I,
1: I did not see the end of the game last night was Watkins short of the sticks because he ran his route too short or was the defender preventing <laughs> because him? Because you hate that. <laughs> well, you know how yeah. much I hate that, Jeff. And quite frankly, Sterling Shepard was a yard and a half short of the sticks right. too. Even right. if he yeah. had caught the ball, you've now got a fourth down, which was needless. Yeah.
3: A well, that's a- why I brought that up. Yeah. and they so, up? You they said they put- were down by one. Is that what you said? Baltimore was up by one. no the Ravens were leading they recovered a fumble they're up by one and clearly they don't want to give the ball back to Kansas City. so they didn't even need a score they just needed to run the clock out yeah that was the circumstance okay. Jeff I mean yeah, you know sure. your best route runners they're going to be
1: able to run a guy off the chains or they're going to be able to be elusive enough to to be able to get where they need to go and create themselves a little space it, it's it's very very annoying and quite frankly makes you very agitated. When you see a guy on third down catch a ball a yard short of the sticks and get get tackled,
2: well, especially Paul, if the if the route that they're running there it's, is no diversion,
1: right. Yeah, and and, and it's not going vertically where he's going to get yeah. yak.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, yeah, and he's that's something be that's taught. stopped. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you got to be able if you're you're diverted somehow or you're pushed off your route and you can't get back to it. I understand right. it, right? Exactly. But, you know, but the other the other way is is uncalled for you got to know where, when you're lining up, looking at that, you you got your 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 foot's on the line of scrimmage, your hands are behind you, you're looking down, you look over there and you say, okay, I've got to get there six yards, I need to know where seven is. And to run it short is just, yeah, I think that's probably, that's a pet peeve of a lot of different people, <laughs> including the quarter. Why postings? does it happen yeah. so much, Jeff? I, I just think that it's not as easy as we all think now, okay? I mean, when you're out there running the route, there's not, there's not hash marks everywhere. You know, you're open green grass and, um, and like I said, I feel like there's so much that goes into the play when you're running your route. If you're thinking that some, some guy's going to come up and, and maybe uh press you a little bit, or they they kind of I, I just there's a lot that goes into it, but um, I, you know, in a situation like that, you that's an important one. I mean, you you got to make sure you get past that. It's I don't. I don't. I think I don't know. I, Let's I just, put it this it's way. mental, Paul, or it's just yeah. physical. I don't know, but it a- just happens year, way too much.
1: Every year, there's a handful of third-down receiving specialists who always seem to have a very high percentage of third-down conversions
3: yeah. because they always seem to find a way to be able to get to the sticks. <sighs> well, because yeah. that's field awareness. That's mm-hmm. not just execution; it's knowing where you are on the field. I that's think right. that, depth of your right, round. and that's yeah. what makes the better players better players. Absolutely, I would agree with you, but. Once again, not to get completely off topic, I just I wanted to break down that Ravens possession because yeah, it was the same scenario. Yeah, Yeah. well, it's similar, Jeff. But I don't think when you talk about how the Ravens were aggressive. But they the were two, but, aggressive because they faced a fourth and one. On the first two plays, Lamar ran for three total yards. Saquon did the same thing. You know, like if they were running or they were passing on the first two downs when all they had to milk the clock and you want to say that's different, they basically had the same philosophy of the Giants. They just executed the third down. The Giants didn't. That was but the they were difference. also winning, too, opposed to being down by two, right? Is that Correct, what saying? yes, because yeah. the Giants needed a score to retake the lead at that point. Right. Yes, that's another difference, absolutely. Let's right. reopen up the phone lines as we move forward here on Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Antonio is in Manhattan. What's happening, Antonio? Hi, Antonio.
2: Hey, what's going on,
0: guys? Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, just want to make quick points on defense and offense. Uh, I'll start off with the defense first. Um, I got flashbacks of James Betcher defense <laughs> when it came to a uh, last game with the Giants. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me how people are asking First of all, a defensive line is not going to get pressure in every single play. We all know that. But on top of that, you're giving the offense easy completions when you're playing off coverage, and then you're asking your defense to get to the quarterback. Like it's just not going to happen when there's hot routes available, slants, uh, drag, easy cross routes, those type of things. They're just not. That's going to eliminate the defense getting on the quarterback anyways, because if the quarterback lets it go in two seconds or less there's just no way no unless he's a broke unless no somebody's not covered not not blocked there's just there's just no way they're going to get a sack on those plays and then on top of that then you're at, then the the times that when uh, when the Giants finally are playing that press coverage and that uh, cover two man on top it's late in the game already who knows maybe the defense at that point is out of it you know in terms of maybe fatigue or who knows what but I feel like this team is still figuring out who they are, and they got away from the heavy zone that they were at last year, and now they're trying to do more men. I'm not sure why. I don't think James Bradbury is is, Darryl, is, uh, is Revis. It's not Revis Island. I think this guy is uh, better off with somebody on top of him. He's, he's one of the best corners when he has somebody over the top of him, so he could play that press man. Or he's playing zone. I think he's a really good zone quarterback. I just, a cornerback. I don't think he is that. Just leave him on the island by himself. Cause again, Jerry Judy and and Scary Terry are just faster than him. And then when he knows that those two wide wide receivers are going to be faster than him, he has to automatically give that cushion because he has nobody on top of him. He has no safety help over the top.
1: You know, if I can for a second, let me just let you know one thing that the Giants receivers would tell us during training camp that it was Adore Jackson who had the speeds and the quicks and that they enjoyed going up against both corners because they were entirely different. That Bradbury is a physical press corner. He will beat you up. And I think my problem is what I've seen from him so far is he hasn't been beating people up like he's supposed to at the line. And so I would disagree with you. I don't think he has to be a zone corner. I think when, when he's in man coverage, he needs to take advantage of his physical tools, which he's usually done, right. and beat people up. But Jackson's the speed guy. The
0: press, if he misses the press a press I guess the faster wide receiver. Yeah, but he shouldn't miss.
1: He shouldn't miss. The reason he got to go to the Pro Bowl last but, but year is because he wasn't but, missing.
0: No, he, he. You're not gonna press on every player. You're not gonna get a good. Well, press of course, on play. well, you
1: can't. Get you're absolutely him. right. No, no, you're absolutely yeah. right. You can't press so he every can't player. Take that
0: risk. He can't take that risk. If he's one on one and he has nobody over the top, no safeties over the top, and he's playing against a faster wide receiver, then then he just can't. He can't take that risk sometimes. And it, and I understand that. That's why I'm not blaming him. I'm kind of I'm kind of disappointed with the scheme. And this is where I go back to say, hey, listen. The Giants should have played more preseason snaps. And that, that, that BS about, hey, they were playing against teams during practice and stuff like that, it's not the same thing. To, a, to, a, to a, any professional athlete, a preseason game, it's not just a preseason game. Once you're playing a game, you're in the game. You don't care if it's a playoff game or a regular season game. It's a game at the end of the day, and you're in the game. You don't care about preseason. Oh, it's a preseason game. I'm not gonna No, because you could get hurt. So my thing is, this team is still trying to figure themselves out. I, I I'm not I'm still not worried about the defense because I'm like hey listen I'm, from what I saw at the end they were playing a lot of tight press cover two um, either zone or man they're gonna figure it out they're gonna get it right together they're gonna they're gonna continue they're gonna start games where they're gonna be playing more tighter and they're gonna have to help over the top and another thing too is this deep still the Giants have I think like over seven years or more that this haven't gotten a linebacker that plays coverage. So when you get these linebackers who can't play coverage, then you have slants, and slants going to the inside and stuff like that, and they're just missing them too. And, and that's just frustrating to see. I wish the Giants could finally even, please, this offseason, co- get a guy that could play coverage and, and be next to Blake Martinez. Now I'm just going to think about the offense real quick before I get off. Real quick, yeah. Um, it's real frustrating to see the, the two dynamics of Jason Garrett's Offense, in terms of how it's it, 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 again, that, yes, the this weekend you got to see a whole bunch of different offenses, and you can see how like our offense is just a pretty much a, a, a lineup and play. There's very little motion on the Giants offense, it's just very little creativity on it, and you get to see it. And, and that hurts Jones so much. This was Jones's best game, according to PFS, or uh, whatever that means. And still, Tyler Heineken just looked more decisive and more convincing. He looked more assertive with the ball in his hand than Jones ever did in that game. And there was a and Balldinger, Brian Baldinger broke it down on his, on his uh, breakdowns. He said there was a lot of sacks that Jones held onto the ball for too long. And then there was even throws there he could have made um, to, to his wide receivers. But he said that maybe he hasn't gotten to play with them because uh, they, they, they were hurt or whatever. But that's the thing that it's just like I feel bad for Jones, and again, I said this before the season, he's not going to be the quarterback of the future, but he, oh, but I'm starting to realize now it's also because he's stuck in a really bad offensive scheme that's going to hinder his growth and, and that's a that's, that's sad to see. And uh, thank you guys for taking my call. Uh, have a great one.
3: All right, Antonio, appreciate the phone call. I want to try to squeeze in at least one more call here before we wrap up. So let's go to Dave in Texas. Dave, what's happening?
6: Hi guys, it's, yeah, I'm a I'm a giant fan since '68, and I'll make it fast uh, at the end of the show. Have you heard anything about Mr. Gates, his prognosis, and how long it would take for him to recover from this thing? It's a horrible thing that happened to him. Well, and Judge I'll mentioned he already trouble, had surgery,
3: well,
6: so. I'll take your answer off the air. Thank you very
3: much, fellas. All right, Dave. Appreciate the phone call. Well, as I mentioned, Joe Judge mentioned he already had surgery. Actually, there was a photo Nick Gates put up on his social media account. He was already walking around with the cast. So, I mean, he went under the knife. Uh, When you talk about a fracture, I mean, guys, I would not expect him to come back this season, I will no, tell you that. No, he's done for the season. Yeah, he's done for the year. So, I mean, as far as a timeline in terms of you assume and hope that he'll be ready to go at the start of the following season, considering we're going to be talking about the entire span of this year and the whole off season. But, no, if you're holding out hope of him coming back this year, that's not happening. And yeah, I think I that's pretty much the best way to could. sum things up.
2: I really don't. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's going to be very difficult for him. But um, even though there are some – players that heal quicker, but, I, you know, this is something that, I mean, we got to be – it and it's, it's, it's a shame because the guy was just so versatile, such a good player, and still a good teammate and leader and all that stuff, and um, this is just something the Giants are going to have to deal with now and, and go with the guys that they have and, and, and sure it up quickly. But you know, as you just,
3: mentioned, Jeff, it can't be overlooked. that I mean, that is a notable loss. You know, despite some of the ups and downs that the offensive line had, Gates was the staple. Gates was the guy, most consistent player. Correct, exactly, and a guy that has the versatility to play all five positions. So, in the event somebody gets hurt, you know you could move Gates over, and you still feel confident he could hold his own. So, I'm not, you know, saying that it's detrimental, and the Giants won't have anybody else that could fill in. But the value that he held within the fluidity and versatility of the roster, you're not going to find a replacement like that overnight. It's pretty, it's pretty apparent that the obviously the. The, the team felt the
2: need to move him to left guard uh, for a reason. So, yeah. um, you know, and they're trying to find that sequence of who can play where. And um, then this this happened, and that kind of really threw a wrench in the whole thing. So now you're going to have to get these guys because, I mean, um, Billy, I don't I, I don't think he had the greatest game. And, you know, obviously he just been thrown in there. He hasn't been here long. But, I mean, you got to understand that this is something that – this is this is important and this is serious. I mean, these guys all of a sudden and, and I know we use the continuity word so much, but it does make sense. It does make sense. And some of the things and Paul, by the way, I, the other, I remember at the Denver game, you and Joe Morris were having a conversation. I went to the cafeteria and back a couple times and you guys were still talking there. You know, so I know that's what you guys were discussing about that offensive line continuity and how a running back needs to understand who they are and play with them a little bit longer. Joe and I have had that very
1: same conversation probably about 10 times over the last five or six years. Seriously. Yeah. And and it, it always seems to rear its ugly head and we wind up talking about it again all over again and repeating ourselves. And basically, I, I was asking Joe about Barkley. And I said to him, okay, Joe, this, this is what I know. This is what I've seen. As a running back, what are we thinking here? And it came back to Joe telling me once again about this chemistry that the running back must have understanding and knowing instinctively where each of his offensive linemen and where his tight end is going to block and how they execute their blocks. And Joe just shook his head to me and he goes, I don't know how long it's going to take, but this, this is going to be a while. Joe, Joe was warning me about it. He goes, I'm telling you now. Mm-hmm. You know, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with his knee. It has to do with the fact that he does not know these guys.
3: Daniel Jones, by the way, now also has to build chemistry with Billy Price, the new center. Sure. That was his first game out there. Yeah. And now and there were we some high snaps games. on yeah. some of those uh,
2: shotgun snaps. That's more of night. a
3: reason why. That's another layer now of chemistry <laughs> that you have to think about moving yeah. forward. So, uh, I mean, the good news is, is at least they have some extra days to prepare for the Falcons and build that chemistry.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's it's it's. Oh, my goodness, Lance. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I'm not. uh, Yes. Could it get better and could it get better quickly? Sure, it could. But could this linger and become an issue that's going to snowball and that's going to take too long for them to be able to turn it around? It absolutely could happen. I'd be crazy to tell you that that's not possible. This this could be a very bad situation. You just hope it isn't. That's all.
3: Because there's just unfortunately that many more movable parts. Correct. That you didn't necessarily account for. I mean, who thought Nick Gates was going to get hurt? Right. In week two of the season. Absolutely. So now you have to account for that. And now he was moved over to left guard. So now you have a new left guard. You know, these are the things you don't know three weeks into training camp. Nature. And that's the unfortunate.
1: Nature has to take its course. And I can bet you that today, by the end of the day, they will probably have another offensive lineman in here. Because if Bredesen's the starting left guard and Price is the starting center and Skura right now is the only interior lineman that you have to back them up that's not enough you need another interior lineman on the depth chart and i would probably believe they'll have one in here certainly if not by the end of the day they will probably be somebody here tomorrow
3: all right well that is going to wrap up monday's edition of big blue kickoff live appreciate everybody tuning in we'll be back up and running again tomorrow at 12.30 p.m. Eastern, as we'll continue to look ahead to Sunday's matchup with the Atlanta Falcons. Guys, always a pleasure going back and forth. Look forward to doing it again later this week. Thanks, Paul. Take care, Lance. Thanks, Lance. All right, guys, you got it. And a reminder that today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants' platforms everywhere, and Giants.com slash podcast. For Jeff Eagles and Paul DeTito, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Stay locked to Giants.com. Have a good one.